Welcome to the Bridge Church Podcast. Our purpose statement at Bridge Church is to reach people where they are and help them grow. We hope today's message inspires you towards growth, and we pray it's life-changing, and we hope to see you soon. Well, happy Mother's Day. We are so excited that all of our mothers that are on here are able to tune in. We are honored to have you here. And for all the other folks that are on here, we're honored to worship with you today. Uh, In light of this being Mother's Day, we just wanted to put together a video. And this video is going to uh, echo a prayer from our hearts for all of our mothers. So we're going to watch this quick video and we pray that it blesses all the moms out there. (laughs) Wasn't that an awesome video? We pray that it just blessed all of you guys, um, all the cute little prayers in there. We know that uh, it's humorous, but it also is something that should be encouraging to you all. So uh, if I could just take a second to pray for moms as well. Father, we thank you for every mother listening to this. We thank you, God, for the sacrifice that they've been given um, over to these last few weeks in quarantine. We know that there's a unique moment that many of them are in. Some of the moms on here are empty nesters and they are right now having to be away from their children. And some are dealing with their children every day. God, moms have this unique calling to be able to care in such a special way. And so, God, right now, we just pray that you would just bless their strength, bless their wisdom, and thank you for them putting up with us. We honor them and we honor you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Well, um, what we want to do today is we want to continue on in our series that we've called Stuck. Now, last week, we talked about this unique blessing that God gives us when we continue to press into his presence and trust him, even when we feel hurt and offended, even when we feel like we're stumbling and we trust him anyhow. And today, what we want to talk about is kind of this picture that God gives us about our weaknesses and how he perfects his power in our weaknesses. Now, why are we talking about being stuck? Because... Many of you, five years ago in 2015, when somebody asked you, where do you think you'll be in five years? Here, where you're at right now, emotionally, physically, socially, spiritually, you may not have thought that's where you would be. And many of you, you look up and you just don't see it changing. You're not sure if that ailment that you have or that relationship that you have will change anytime soon. There are people that I've counseled that are in marital situations and yeah, it gets a little better and yeah, you went to that conference, but it's just tough. It's just a hard circumstance. And many of you that I've talked to that are single, yeah, you you swipe right, you look right, but man, it just doesn't really seem to work out for you. You're not sure when things are are going to change. Many times we have expectations that we just thought we'd be in a different place by now. And you say to yourself, I'm stuck. And you look around and you're tempted to feel jealous. You're tempted to feel resentful. And what you want to do is you want to go off. You want to explode. But many of us explode, uh, or rather we implode, and we feel despair. Oftentimes we feel depressed because we feel this ailment of being stuck. 
You know, uh, one of the things that has always been powerful to me in my walk with God is when I see people who are in a similar situation as me and they have a wildly different perspective, even a godly perspective. You ever had a moment where you talk to somebody and they have like a really godly perspective and it's like embarrassing, right? Like, so I've seen this, I've seen people and I've seen it over and over again. People I've counseled, people I've supported. When I've sat there and looked at the way that they're handling a situation, I'm like, we're in the same situation, but your perspective is totally different. I'll never forget one of my uh, friends in college uh, his name was Mike Garcia, and uh, I went to visit his dad and his mom, and we all were hanging out at his family's house, and um, he had told me his dad was sick, and so I didn't know what he meant by sick. His dad had terminal cancer, had been living for two years beyond the time that they thought he'd be alive. When I hung out there, he would pray, and when this man prayed, you know people that when they pray, it sounds like Jesus is in their back pocket. They got that close, close relationship. He, he gave this intimate, deep prayer. And, and I remember just thinking, man, this dude is close to the Lord. And so then, um, you know, Mike started talking about, you know, they, 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 you know, they started joking a little bit about how they don't know how long he has. And, uh, and I, you know, I was kind of like laughing too, but feeling really awkward. And then I, I was like, man, you know, how do you, how do you handle this? He says, and he said to me, ultimately, I know what I have is from the Lord and I receive it like a gift. Not that it's good. The cancer's not good, but I know God is good. And I, and I thought to myself, I, I don't have a perspective like that with bad grades. You have cancer. And I was embarrassed that I don't have that same view. There are people who have such a godly perspective in the hardest of situations. And what I have found over the years is they believe God is totally in control. And they believe the hardest of circumstances are actually a tool in the Redeemer's hands, a gift with God's purposes. Ultimately, that's what they believe. And that's when you see the matureness of believers. It is difficult for us in our Western world to see circumstances and difficulties as a gift. We can't understand that, partly because in our Western culture, gifts are all about the receiver. Think about it. On Black Friday, what do they do? You're trying to find the right gift for the person so that they would say, this is exactly what I wanted. Gifts are always about the receiver's desires, not the giver's purposes. And so in the same way, we don't understand gifts as something that God could be using for his purposes, even though we don't understand it for our own. And the reality is that today we feel like, and many of you know, people that have canceled God. They've canceled a relationship with him. They've canceled church. They've canceled Christians primarily because they just didn't see God working the way that they wanted him to. You know, in many ways, what we want is we want God to cooperate with our plan. But here's the truth. If God cooperating with our plan means he loves us, then I have to really rethink my entire parenting strategy. Because the fact of the matter is, I do not 
parent in cooperation with my children. I would actually say much of what I do is not incongruent with anything they desire because I have a purpose and a plan higher than my children. And so most of the time, my children don't trust what I have to say. They just have to do what I say because I'm the one in control and they're not. So cooperation doesn't mean I'm canceled. It means I'm loving, see? And so the reality or the lack of cooperation. So, so in, in other words, parents, we're not disqualified when we don't cooperate. So God, therefore, should not be disqualified when he doesn't cooperate with us. The reality is he has a purpose and a plan higher than ours. Now, we say amen. We say that's good. But when you're in the moment, it's hard to have that godly perspective. So what do we need? We need just like I sat with Mike's dad and heard him and I was almost embarrassed. We need to hear from someone who's godly, who was in a hard circumstance, and we need to hear his voice. We need to hear someone that we knew God loved, but was in a hard circumstance and believed that God's lack of cooperation was part of a higher purpose. His gifts were part of a higher plan. So we're gonna look at Paul real quick. The Apostle Paul. Now, if, if we know anything about the Apostle Paul, he's got this incredible story. This dude in the book of Acts goes and he's actually given permission to kill Christians. Like it's his job to go and take Christians out. He loved seeing a rally of people beating down Christians. He goes all the way and he has this Damascus Road experience and all of a sudden he transforms and now he's this apostle going around preaching the word of God. He left everything, prestige and fame. He was well known in Jewish culture for being this dynamic teacher and leader and now he goes against everything he had in order to plant churches, to be able to start the movement of Christ and to write letters to Christian churches. These letters will become part of our Bible today he ends up writing 13 letters in the New Testament. This person is heralded for 20 years. He's planting churches and traveling. But something happens to him right when he is in the midst of his ministry. Something happens to him. Something so devastating happens to him that he has to echo this prayer. And Paul here does what we would do. He prays, but he doesn't get what he wants. And after he doesn't get what he wants, we see his perspective. Look here in 2 Corinthians. If you have your Bible, go to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. If you've been a Christian a while, you've probably heard this verse. You've probably used this verse. But now I want you to think of this verse, and not just in the midst of God using you, but in the midst of you having an ailment, you having something a circumstance or something that will not change. Look in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. So Paul says, so to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelation, listen, a thorn was given me in the flesh. Now, I want you to understand that the way that that was written in the Greek, the word given is written as if it was a gift. And it was a gift that you would oftentimes that word was used when you would offer a sacrifice to a God um, in pagan religions. And so he uses this word in the different way of saying that God has given him this divine gift. But he says this gift was actually a thorn and he says it was given or granted to him. He was actually bestowed something from God and he says 
It was a thorn. He says a source ultimately of good purpose. And he says, uh, he goes on to say, this thorn is a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Now look what he says here. The word harass means to torment. It means to irritate. It means to, the word was often used to strike with a fist. It's generally understood as punishment. But the way that he uses this is he uses this idea that there is this thorn and then he goes on to say that it is a messenger from Satan. Now, here's what we understand about Satan and God. Oftentimes in the Bible um, or oftentimes in culture, we see God and Satan like they're in a war. Like if like if like uh, like uh, God is uh, like, uh, you know, Rocky and, and Satan is Apollo Creed. And, uh, like they're up there like, come on like this. But the reality is that they're not in some war where it's mano y mano like God. God has Satan on a leash. Like he does what he wants with him. He uses Satan for his own purposes and his plans. But what we do understand when you look in Matthew chapter four, Jesus is uh, driven into the wilderness because God allows it, because Satan only is allowed to do things that which happen under God's divine purpose and plan. So when he says a messenger from Satan to harass me, he's saying God allowed Satan to harass me. And the fact of the matter is ultimately we don't know what this was, this thorn, this messenger. Historically, it's been said that uh, this was most likely epilepsy. Some believe it was headaches. Some believe it was malaria. We don't know. Some believe he had these huge, uh, he, he had a, a, like cataracts and he couldn't see. And the reason why that was important is because he's a letter writer. And so the one thing that he wants to do is be able to write letters, but he can't see the way he wants. So you have all these different presumptions of what it was. But what we, so we don't know exactly what this messenger of Satan was. We don't know exactly what this thorn was. Here's what we do know. Whatever it was, was painful, humiliating, and debilitating. God, I want to, God, okay, I'm going to leave my old life where I was killing Christians. I know you're not with that, right? So I'm going to go plant churches, right? And then, wait a minute, now while I'm about to go out and write letters and plant churches, I have this, um, I have this inability and, and, and then I want to do something, you know, like I want to do something for you. And in the midst of that, you've given me an inability. Like, shouldn't you want to further your purposes through me? Why do I get this out the way so I can do more for you? Wouldn't you want to move this out the way? I mean, and, and, and God, I mean, I want to write letters. I can't see. Don't you want me to write letters? Don't you want me to do more for you? Wouldn't you move this out of the way? And if we're honest, you, some of you watching say, you've been good. I know some of y'all watching today is like, yeah, I'm out here and I don't know what I'm doing for God. And you know, you're trying to figure stuff out. But some of you watching today, you're like, I have been doing whatever the right thing is. I feel like I've been doing the right thing. I mean, I'm going, I'm in your word, I'm praying, I'm doing everything I know to do. And, and I, you, you say, bring you glory. Okay, that's what I want to do. I want to bring you glory. Why don't you help me do that? I want to do great things for you, God. 
Why don't you help me? And I got this thing. And I'd be good. And you know, I, I've, been, I've been working my whole career to get to this platform. And there are people there that when they get the microphone, they, are, they're, they, don't, they don't do anything for you. I would. I'd represent you. I would talk about you if you gave me an opportunity. But I'm stuck in this corner. I'd be a good mom, but everybody else is getting pregnant. I'm not. I'd be a good husband, but nobody wants me. I would. If you gave me the opportunity, I would do things for you. But I'm, I'm asking you, take this away. And Paul, when he writes this, he says, listen, he says this thorn is a gift. Y'all know what an oxymoron is? Like jumbo shrimp? You know what an oxymoron is? Two things that don't seem to go together. Wouldn't that be an oxymoron, a gift that's a thorn? This gift is harassing me. This gift is tormenting me. This gift is from Satan. What perspective does he have? How embarrassing is it to be around Paul? This humiliating, humiliating debilitating thing. And I'm so glad Paul wrote this next part. Because that's how I know me and Paul at least are on the same page to a degree. And this is what I want you to see. Look what he does here in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 8, the next verse. He says, three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should what? Leave me. I prayed that this humili humiliating, debilitating, painful thing would be gone. And the way that this written is in Greek is not like I prayed and then I just forgot about it. He was begging God. You know that prayer you prayed like, God, you got to do this one thing for me right now. He prayed. And this is what I want you to understand. When he writes the word three times, the way that it's written three times, it's actually written like it's three seasons of his life. Because if you and me are honest, you've prayed about a thing, gave it lots of energy, you fasted and you prayed, you wrote it down and you were serious about it. And then you were like, I cannot even pray this anymore. I'm tired. And then you got your, you know, you went to a conference, you got that Holy Ghost juice and you're like, you know, I'm going to pray about that thing again. I got a dream. You know what I'm saying? I'll pray about that thing. And you prayed and prayed and prayed. And then you put it down again because you were like, I can't pray this. No more. I'm just tired. I'm sure enough tired. And then you read a book and you were like, oh my gosh, God loves me. And you read that book and you prayed and prayed and you're like, God, you've given me a global vision. You've given me a plot. I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to do it for you. And you didn't see it happen. And he says three seasons of his life, he prayed and he didn't just pray. He begged because I thought those earnest prayers, I thought they availed much. I thought when I begged you, God, I thought you say, ask, seek, Knock, I did that. You told me if I abide in you, right? I'll ask whatever. Okay. And he begged. That's how I know we're on the same page about that part. I've done that. And you've done that too. You, 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 have, you have things you're embarrassed to say in front of people, but there are quiet prayers, quiet dreams. Things you, oh, I just want to change. There's, there's a sin issue and it's a stronghold and you've been begging. 
begging God, listen, this is so embarrassing. Take this from me. And you've been asking. And so he pleads. And I believe he didn't hear anything. Shh. You know that, right? He begged three times. He didn't hear anything. And then in verse 9, he says, but he said. You see, so, so what we understand is that when he uses that transition, but he said, we understand that he's about to tell us what Jesus actually told him. And in short, the answer is no. I'm not going to take it away. Yes, it is humiliating. Yes, it is debilitating. Yes. No. But my grace is sufficient for you and for my power is made perfect in weaknesses. My grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. Well, God, I, see, this is what I want you to do. God, I want my gifts to be like really popping and I want people to know me and I want to see, experience your power in the things that I like doing. And what Paul is saying is sometimes God gives you a gift and it's not a capability. It's actually an inability. And God actually, listen, his power, it doesn't say he's, his power is made perfect in your abilities. His power is actually made perfect in your inability because it is, it is at the point at which you know you're not the one doing it. God gets the most glory. That's why he says it's made perfect. In other words, it comes to its fruition. It, re it reaches its highest potential. It is maximized. The fullness of God's power is seen when you are at your weakest, lowest point. My power reaches its full measure in weakness. So no, nothing's going to change. Paul, the issue is not going anywhere. You're, you're still not going to be able to see the way you want to. And you're going to have to trust me to write. Moses, I know that you're nervous about going and telling people about me, but, and I know you've got this issue of speech, but see, I'm going to be your mouth. You see, God is saying, I will be made glorious through your weakness. And I know it's embarrassing. So then the perspective of Paul is like Mike's dad. And this is where we're all humbled. Because he says in verse 9, therefore, now listen, listen. At the beginning of verse 9, God speaks to him. God tells him, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to be your power. I'm going to be your strength. So then Paul says, okay, since I've been praying, seeking, asking, knocking, pleading with God, begging God, and he told me this is not going anywhere. 
Here's what I'm going to do. I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me because God has given me a divine inability so that his power can be made manifest. So no, I'm not all that. Yes, I have an ailment. No, I'm not everything I want. Yes, I've got to depend on God. No, I didn't have the career I wanted. Yes, but God is keeping me. No, I still don't have the healing that I want. But yes, God takes me into the operating room. Yes, God is keeping me in the midst of my weakness. I am trusting in God. And so in many ways, Paul's boasting. It's not in the weakness. It's in the power he sees from when he presents his weakness to God. And so what we have before us is an opportunity to have an entire shift in our perspective. It is an opportunity to see that everything that we have been given, even those trials, even those painful moments are actually under the divine sovereign plan of God. And so I don't have to pretend. Isn't it good? Have you ever been around somebody that's not insecure? Amen? Hmm? You ever been around those people? No, I'm saying those people that are free. Now, I'm not talking about free and ungodly. I'm not talking, let's put those people all the way into another category. Amen? I'm talking about free, listen, free and godly. They're comfortable with themselves and they're comfortable with what God is doing and what he isn't doing. You see, that's real freedom. When you say no, you see, I've been serving and I've been praying and seeking God and everyone seems to have the very thing I want. And I've decided not to be jealous or envious because for somehow God's plan is different for them than it is me. And the thing that I want, listen, the very thing I'm longing for, I'm not getting. And God is still good and he's going to use it somehow. And I'm going to trust him through this. That's real freedom, y'all. No, 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 no. It's when you can say, I begged God. I wanted it. I worked my whole career for it and I didn't see it happen and it still hurts. But I know that God's purposes are greater than my desires and I know this pain that I have, I know it's a gift from God. And so I want more, no lie. But I know God is good. That's the kind of freedom you want. And you scroll and you look at other people's lives and it makes you so insecure because every time you see other people getting the very thing you want, you limit what God can do and what God is doing. It hurts. And this is the kind of perspective that we want. And so what he goes on to say is, for the sake of Christ, in verse 10, for the sake of Christ, I am content with weaknesses. Don't you want to be there? Don't you want to be there? Seriously. Don't you want to be at that place where it's like, look, I'm, you know what I'm saying? I thought I was going to be this international whatever. I'm like not even regional. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? And, And it's like, and it's like, I still want that, but God doesn't want that for me. And so I'm good with that. Like, no, 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 I'm saying I want more and God's not giving me more, but he is still good. And I'm not going to pretend. 
And some of us are pretending like we don't want more. So we, you know, so we can do PR for God. So we can put makeup on him. He's, he's good. He's beautiful. You don't need to put makeup on God. He's beautiful. He's beautiful in my weaknesses. He's glorified in my weaknesses. And so he says, I am content. That's what you want. I want to be content with weaknesses. Look who says insults, hardships, persecutions, calamities. And if you read the entire chapter, he talks about all these things he's been through. And it was all the while he was doing, he was planting churches. And I, I want you all to not, and I don't want to be a malcontent. I don't want to be insecure. I don't want to fake it. I don't want to pretend. I don't want to have to go around and always talk like I'm strong. I don't want to be the guy in the room that's like, well, you know, you know, God, I'm, ble- I'm blessed, highly favored. You know, God has been doing everything in my life. He's the head of my life. He's doing everything in my life. I don't have any problems. Like, I don't want to be that guy. I also don't want to be the person like God ain't done none of nobody. I don't want to be that person either where like I don't I, I'm in pain and I only define God by my pain. Or I've had good things happen. I only define God in that good moment. No, I. I have not seen everything I want, but God is everything I want. And he's been good to me. And so you can be an honest Christian and you can be open. And this is when he says, for when I am weak, then I am strong. I believe Christians that are open about weaknesses have the most powerful prayer lives because they present their full selves to God. I believe Christians that only try to present themselves as omnicompetent and altogether strong, they probably have the weakest prayer lives because they can't be full and honest and real. Paul is real. And so here, what do we get? Paul says this tormenting thing, it's a gift with a purpose and a promise. What's the purpose? God's plan. What's the promise? His power. I'm going to experience his power. I'm going to walk on water. He's going to give me peace. And it looks different for everybody. And some of you are in situations you never thought you'd be in and he's going to carry you and you're going to trust him and you're going to believe And you say, God, I cannot do this. I need strength. And he says, I'll be your strength. Jesus in Luke 22 withdraws. And in verse 42, he says, Father, if you're willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, Not my will, but yours be done. Not my will, but yours be done. Not my will, but yours be done. Father, I would love for this to work out completely differently. Will you change it? What did the father tell Jesus? No, I will not remove the cross. 
I have a grander purpose for this pain. And I will use it for my glory. And God says no. And I'll tell you this, I'm so grateful God said no. I'm so grateful God told Jesus no. I'm so grateful that when I look back over the scriptures that he told him no. And if you're honest, you'll look back over your life and you say, thank you for that no, God. Because you were good to me. You carried me. And I couldn't see the plan. I couldn't see the purpose. It didn't feel like a gift. But 10 years later, you'll say, oh, your ways are higher than my ways. And your thoughts are higher than my thoughts. I'm so thankful. He told Jesus no. And if he can bless the no to Jesus, he, he's blessing that no to you right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, God, that your power is perfected in our weakness. For every mother listening to this, God, would you just send her your power? If she has kids running around her, as she has kids who have not become who they thought she would, who they thought they would be, God, would you strengthen them right now? God, we need your strength right now. Father, we will never, we will never experience your full strength in our strengths. Here's what you say. The fullness of my power, it's perfected in weakness. We present our weaknesses to you tonight, God. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope today's message was encouraging for you. We'd also love to hear how God used this message to speak to you. We hear from people all across the country about what God is doing through our podcast, and we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at info at bridgechurchnyc.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. Our handle for both of those social media outlets is at bridgechurchnyc. Our website is bridgechurchnyc.com. If you're in the New York City area, we have services at 4 p.m. and 6 p.m. on Sundays at 98 Fifth Avenue in Brooklyn, New York, right next to the Barclay Center. We are praying for you and we hope to see you soon.